the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dear Lord, we realize just that lately everything's changing too damn fast. And, and all sorts of things are always the same, even things we hated, like shoveling the turkey and stuffing the snow and going through the same crap year in and year out. Honey, who's getting cold? As I was saying, dear Lord, before my wife interrupted me, even those old-fashioned pain-in-the-ass traditions like Thanksgiving, which really means something to us, even though we couldn't tell you what it is, are starting to stop. And thousand-year-old trees are falling over dead. And they shouldn't. That's all from this end. Amen. Amen. A woman. That was absurd. Let's eat dead bird. Welcome to the main event. Happy pre-Thanksgiving weekend. You guys are out picking up your frozen turkey and getting everything ready. Then uh, you should be getting your, you should be in the gym exercising your uh, your your wit, exercising, getting ready for a fight with your family. Because remember, uh, the things that you want to talk about at the dinner table are politics and religion. Oh, yeah, but that causes fights, Ed. Nah, but this country is worth fighting for, and this is the time when we have a chance to sit down at the dinner table, say thanks for what we have, and talk about what we need to do to make sure we don't lose it, and that's this nation. And we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, and I have a a constitutional expert, Douglas V. Gibbs, coming on on part two to talk about, uh, I don't know. Who's uh, which presidential candidates are uh, are eligible and which aren't? Because apparently I'm causing some stir out there who's saying that uh, Ted Cruz is ineligible, um, and he's going to come on and straight either straighten me out or straighten some of you out. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located in the city of Marino Valley. Also, offices in Temecula, Corona. Orange, Westlake Village, and Downey to service all of Southern California for all of your real estate financing needs. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need help with financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk the traditional telephone way, you want to do it the uh, the young millennial and X Gen way. You want to do it on the on the computer. Oh, go on your iPhone or your uh, or the what is that other one called Android or your Droid and go to uh, edhoffman.net. Click on Apply Now and fill in as much information as you want me to have. And uh, sometimes you guys don't give me your your real name when you're asking the first question. Well, you know my name's not really Daniel; it's Steve. Um, so if you uh, if you go on there, fill in as much information as you want me to have, and tell me what information you want back from me, 
and you'll hear back from either myself or one of my teammates, Matt Bradbury, Alex uh, Rojas, Randy Sampius, or Justin Clark. And we'll, uh, we'll communicate with you in any, any uh, mode of communication that you see fit. If you want to hear something uh, uh, repeated that I said, you can also, at edhoffman.net, click on Listen to the Main Event. You can hear this show as well as four past shows. And, uh, and you can also get me on podcasts on iTunes. Go to iTunes, search Ed Hoffman, and you can uh, subscribe for free. Have it download automatically to your computer, your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your iWatch. I think. Is that iWatch thing really a thing, or is it just transmits to your wrist from your phone? I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how my iPhone works, but I know it just touch things that, you know, if I get confused, I ask one of my kids or uh, or one of my grandkids now because my grandkids, I think, probably can operate the iPad better than I do. And uh, my oldest one is four. So, uh, but they just learn different. Um, if you want to follow me at Twitter, at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. And you can, uh, you can hear my uh, opinionated rants anytime you want. Uh, or our Facebook, search Facebook, The Main Event 590. The Main Event 590 to find the show page. And you can read my weekly opinion columns on IE Business Daily, Inland Empire Business Daily, IE Business Daily. Click on the opinion piece and see my list of opinions on what I think you guys should have my opinion on. Because that's just how I am. I, you know, everyone's got their opinion and uh, I think everybody has a right to hear mine. So uh, anyway, so what's going on this week? It's been a week. Since the uh, series of coordinated terrorist attacks took place in Paris, France, the attack, which uh, consisted of mass shootings, suicide bombings, hostage taking, uh, killed, I think it killed 100, I think I heard this morning, 130 was the, was, the, uh, was the death total. I heard it was 129, and then this morning it said now it's up to 130 because there's probably another 80 injured and in the hospital. Um, so one of them apparently died. They car- they're carried out by numerous terrorists fighting for ISIS which is the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. So when uh, anybody says, well, it's not Islam, well, the first I is Islam, Islamic. Uh, seven, of the, seven of the attackers died in the attacks, and the mastermind of the operation, some Belgian guy named Abdel Hamid Abaoud. This is the, probably the first uh, uh, Muslim name I've been able to uh, actually pronounce. Uh, he was killed Wednesday in a raid by the French police. Uh, his hometown of Molenbeek, Belgium, has been linked to several other terrorists. We now now know that anywhere from uh, one to three attacks, um, one one to three of the attackers had fake Syrian passports on them, which means that they were uh, that they were European citizens who trained with the ISIS in the Middle East and got back into Europe by posing as Syrian refugees, or they just doctored up some passports somehow and. Uh, I don't know. When I've traveled overseas, I have to hand them my passport. And how do you how do you doctor those? Maybe they make them different in in other countries, but the ones they make in the United States are pretty pretty hard to. I would think they'd be pretty hard to uh, to uh, counterfeit because the picture is printed right on them. It's not like a picture inserted. It's kind of like the old. Uh, you know how the new the new uh, driver's licenses are more complex and hologrammed and. You got little pictures and big pictures to make it harder to to uh, to uh, forge or to uh, to fraud, make them to alter them. And uh, so, apparently, in the other countries, it's easier to do. So uh, they pose as Syrian refugees, which means uh, there could be more infiltrations like this. There could be. There is. Hey, you know what? We have this southern border with no wall on it. 
How many ISIS people you think are already in the country already? A lot. Uh, proven by the uh, video that they put out of, of Times Square. So uh, it's uh, it's just ama- it's amazing when, that Barack, Barack Hussein Obama, he's not a Muslim. No, not him. Um, he uh, seems to be protecting them. And um, in response, um, in response, 29 House Republican or 29 uh, Republican governors um, have have uh, signed signed uh, uh, bills saying, saying they won't admit any of the uh, Syrian hostages or hostages Syrian refugees into their state, and everyone's going, "Oh, you can't do that! The federal government is over everybody." No, nope, that's wrong, as we'll discuss in the second half. Um, also, the House Republicans passed a bill saying that uh, that the United States that we have to tighten things up, and I don't even know that that was enough. But they got 289, 289 votes, so more than two thirds of the House. Um, so it's so as long as the senators do the same next week, um, Obama can't can't veto it like he's like he's threatened to do. Um, and of course, Barack Obama wants to demonize um, the the Republicans for it. Obama was in Turkey for the G twenty, which is uh, is that the the economic summit with the twenty twenty countries and the economic summit. Or is that the? Or is that the? That's not the. That's not the one where they talk about climate change, is it? Nobody knows. Okay, so it's some G twenty summit. Um, here he is commentating on the refugees and what he isn't willing to do. What he isn't willing to do to uh, to stop the global threat of ISIS. Listen closely. Many of these refugees are the victims of terrorism themselves. That's what they're fleeing. Slamming the door in their faces would be a betrayal of our values. What we do not do, what I do not do, is to take actions either because it is going to work politically or it is going to somehow, in the abstract, make America look tough. Oh, believe me, Mr. President. Oh, I don't ever call him Mr. President. Believe me, B.O., that's probably more fitting. Uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Um, nobody thinks America looks tough anymore. Nobody, and nobody thinks you look tough anymore. I did like I did like that video of him coming off the uh, coming off Air Force One the other day and almost fall down the steps. I don't know if anybody saw that, but me. Uh, oh, I know Don saw it because I said I rewound it. I said, did you see him almost fall down the steps? He does his normal basketball jog out of the, out of Air Force One and missed the first step, almost fell fell down and. Oh, that would have been so funny. Wish we could have got that. Well, we still have we have another 14, 14 long months to uh, endure his idiocy. But he wasn't done insulting the Republicans for being concerned about terror in a press conference. So he's over in Turkey making these making these comments. Now he's over in the Philippines uh, this week, and he takes another shot at uh, everybody who's opposing the Syrian refugees uh, right now. Let me play that one. Cannot think of a more uh, more potent recruitment tool for ISIL than some of the rhetoric that's been coming out of here uh, uh, during the course of this debate. When you start seeing individuals in positions of responsibility suggesting that Christians are more worthy of protection than Muslims are in a war-torn land, that feeds the ISIL narrative. Apparently, they're scared of 
widows and orphans coming into the United States of America. Hey, you know who we're afraid of, Mr. Uh, Mr. Barack Hussein Obama? We're afraid of you because you're a Muslim. You know what? Uh, I was uh, looking through some old uh, emails I had. Uh, Mike Gallagher. Everybody knows Mike Gallagher, the, uh, the what's he call himself, the, uh, the, the happy warrior. Happy Warrior. Is he still on? He's still on Salem. He's he's still still on midnight. His show's on midnight on on this station on on five ninety. The answer. He put out a uh, an essay. Um, when did he put this out? Long time ago. President Obama. This is why you didn't go to France to show solidarity. This is when he didn't go to show solidarity uh, in uh, in France from the Muslim terrorists of, uh, after the Charlie Charlie Hebdo thing. It was. It was you who spoke the words at an Islamic dinner, I am one of you. It was you who on ABC referred to my Muslim faith. It was you who gave $100 million in taxpayer funds to rebuild foreign mosques. It was you who wrote that in the event of conflict, I will stand with the Muslims. It was you who, you know what, I wonder if we could get a, uh, I wonder if somewhere out there, there's a, uh, there's a montage of all these things. It was you who assured Egyptian foreign minister, I am a Muslim. It was you who bowed in submission before the Saudi king. It was you who sat for 20 years in the Liberation Theology Church condemning Christianity and professing Marxism. It was you who exempted Muslims from penalties under Obamacare that the rest of us have to pay. It was you who purposely omitted endowed by our creator from the uh, recitation of the Declaration of Independence. It was you who mocked the Bible and Jesus Christ's Sermon on the Mount while repeatedly referring to the Holy Koran. It was you who traveled the Islamic world denigrating the United States. Um, it was you who instantly threw the support uh, of the administration behind the building of the Ground Zero Victory Mosque overlooking the hallowed crater of the World Trade Center. It was you who refused to attend the National Prayer Breakfast who hastened the host and Islamic Prayer Breakfast at the White House. But hastened to host an Islamic prayer at the White House. It was you it was you who ordered Georgetown University and Notre Dame to shroud all vestiges of, of Jesus Christ before you had agreed to go there and speak. But in contrast, you never requested that mosque that you have visited to adjust their decor. It was you who appointed anti Christian fanatics to your Tsar Corps. It was you who appointed rabid Islamists to the homeland security. It was you who said NASA's foremost mission was to outreach to Muslim communities. I can go on. This is like three more pages. I'll put this on my website so you can read it. But you know what? Remember when uh, when somebody, they put that guy in at one of uh, Trump's speeches about a month or two months ago, and he said, when do we, we have a Muslim president already, and everybody uh, uh, chastised Donald Trump for not defending him and saying, he's not a Muslim, he's a Christian. I think we've seen him attend a church one time in seven years he's been in office. And it was on an Easter day, Easter or Christmas. It was one thing. And I think in an interview, uh, Michelle Obama said, oh, Sundays we just think are, are more productive if we just wind down and take naps and, you know, have some family family time taking naps and stuff. Um, I don't call that. I don't call that a Christian. And uh, the fact that he says we're afraid of, you know what, what, what do we have to gain by letting 10,000 refugees in? Hey, all these refugees are from Syria. Syria is the other side of the world from us. If they're leaving their country, why do they have to come here? And there's millions of them. What is the point of letting 10,000 into our country other than potential problems? And, and for the 137 
Democrats that uh, that voted against this bill to make it tighter. And the and the bill they just passed basically said that the FBI, uh, uh, the head of the FBI um, or the CIA, one of them has to has to personally say, yeah, these guys are clean. How can anybody know? I say let nobody in. Nobody in from Syria. And uh, you're going to have to seal the southern border because they're already coming in, as we found, as they caught five guy, five Syrians in Honduras trying to get into Mexico heading here. They flew from Lebanon or Turkey. They went left Syria. They went to Lebanon or Turkey. They flew to Brazil. They went to Argentina. And somehow they're in Honduras trying to get into Mexico. And, and when, they, when they got, oh, we're not part of ISIS. Refugees, refugees, they showed it on TV, said, refugees, oh yeah, that's what ISIS told you to say if you get caught, said, refugees, but you're refugees, but you didn't walk across the border, you flew, flew to another country and you flew a few places, I don't know, they look honest, they look like honest Muslim kids, fortunately some of our Republican candidates are fighting back, here's my favorite, Carly Fiorina, uh, let me play, play her comments. Instead of attacking Republicans, perhaps he ought to focus his passion and energy on our real enemies. He had a rambling statement in Turkey on Monday where he talked about our strategy is working. Paris, he called a temporary setback. We don't have a strategy. Paris is not a temporary setback. This is an attack. President Hollande de France was very clear. President Hollande de France said they are at war with us and we will wage a pitiless war. David Cameron of Great Britain was equally clear. Our president was mushy. He's always mushy until he's attacking Republicans. And the truth is that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, when they declared victory in Iraq in 2011 and withdrew precipitously against all military advice for political expediency, nothing more, nothing less, they left vast swaths of territory for ISIS to conquer and to launch attacks from and plan and build their caliphate and weaponry besides. Okay, so this president has been completely inadequate. And then there's Ben Carson was on uh, Bill O'Reilly, asked him what he would do about the Syrian refugees. And Ben Carson said this. We have to be extremely wise. Uh, if you were trying to infiltrate that group with terrorists, uh, you would see a golden opportunity here. So we need to make sure that that's not being done. So the vetting process cannot be unilateral. It cannot just be, you know, one side, you know, the administration saying, yes, we vetted them. This is great. It needs to be done in a way that's transparent that everybody can look at and say, yes, this is satisfactory. I say there's no possible way to say this is satisfactory, but you could hear how, how the, the common sense behind Ben Carson, except for... Except for, is there any way that anybody can say, you know what, if we let 10,000 Syrian refugees here and one of them is a, is an ISIS guy and one of them kills one person, how do you justify that? Oh, that's not who we are. This is who we are as Americans. We we welcome those people. I just say, you know what, come on, come on, America. Let's pull our head out of our rear ends and, you know, let's wake up, wake up. Chris Christie was one of the governors who will not accept any refugees, although Catholic Charities has already snuck in about 3,000 of them into New Jersey without permission. CNN's Jake Tapper asked him how he would respond uh, to the criticism from uh, President Obama, and uh, Chris Christie said this. Yeah, well, the president's the person who created this entire situation, Jake. He didn't keep his word. 
when he drew a red line in Syria. He allowed the situation in Syria to happen. He hasn't set up a no-fly zone, which could create a safe haven for these refugees to live safely in their own country, rather than having to scatter all across the world. Um, and he's the one who's casting aspersions? Um, it's a joke. And he's a joke on this issue. Um, the fact is, um, we shouldn't be worried about any other folks in this situation um, without first worrying about the people of the United States of America and their security. And the widows and orphans I remember are the ones after 9-11. And I don't want to create a new generation of those. The fact is, the president could fix this problem in Syria if he had acted before. He could help to ameliorate it now. But he is unwilling and unable to be able to do that. His failures have created this crisis. And uh, now he is the one who wants to be a critic. Um, I, I don't take any criticism from the president seriously. He lives in a fantasy land, Jake, in the way he thinks the world should be, not the way the world is. You're standing in a place where we understand what the reality of the world is, and the president does not. Absolutely. He lives in fantasy land. He's, uh, he, who lives in fantasy land? Tinkerbell? Tinkerbell? Peter Pan? I'm trying to remember. I get all those lands at Disneyland mixed up, but that's definitely fantasy land where, where Obama, where Obama sits. And, uh, and then, uh, then there's the one thing that Donald Trump agrees with his fellow candidates on. Here's uh, what he said to Bar Barbara Walters on 2020. We have no idea who the people are. They have no papers. They have no paperwork. You can get forged documents very easily in Syria. Uh, yeah, I have to, I have to, uh, I have to agree with this. I have to agree with all of them that we don't have any allegiance to anybody except for the people of the United States. And, and again, I've said this many times, the government has two jobs, protect us from foreign enemies and, uh, enforce the laws. Other than that, get out of our lives. Everything else built from this country, from the bottom up, uh, businesses, businesses, all built private jobs became from private industries. They're not, it's not their job to, to uh, take care of us and and make sure that uh, make sure everything's okay. Just just stop people from killing us from other countries, and enforce the laws, and then get out of our lives. You know how much our taxes would go down if that's all they did. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna pay for the military and we're gonna pay for pay for cops and we can pay for for fire people too and we could also pay for teachers. Um, no, we don't even need to do that. Actually, we could privatize that. And then, because you know what, everyone could afford school. Well, I guess then some people wouldn't. Um, so, but maybe we'll throw teachers in there, but we need to do it at the state level. So anyway, um, in response, the House Speaker, House Speaker Paul Ryan, who actually, based on the last couple of weeks since he's been Speaker of the House, I actually think Paul Ryan could could turn the attitude of Republicans around because everybody's kind of fed up with, with hey, you, we gave you the House, we gave you the Senate, do something with it. And it was kind of a, not accomplishing very much. Um, and I think Paul Ryan just has a, has a way of putting things. I think he might turn this thing around, uh, the attitude, and that's what we need. Because too many of you Republicans, for one reason or another, didn't think Romney was conservative enough four years ago and, and, it, and gave Barack Obama the second term. Barack Obama didn't win by that many, and, and Romney got less votes than McCain did. And Romney would have been a great president. We wouldn't be dealing with this with this crap that we're dealing with in the world if Romney was president. So uh, the House Speaker introduced the, the bill to slap stringent new screening on Syrian refugees. The The bill passed 289 to 137, which I've, which I've mentioned. Uh, 242 Republicans and 47 Democrats. You know what? Even some of the Democrats got to go, hey, you know what? 
common sense is common sense. These people don't need to be here. Um, the Senate's expected to take it up after Thanksgiving. I don't know why they're waiting, uh, except for uh, uh, what's our, our uh, head of the head of the Senate, O'Connell, McConnell, McConnell, Mitch McConnell. That's right. He's he doesn't have any urgencies. I think he's too old. Okay, so if they Im- implement it into law, it would require the FBI director and the uh, director of Department of Homeland Security director um, to give personal confirmation for each refugee. I think that's impossible. Um, before the vote Thursday, the White House contacted Democrats and encouraged them not to support the bill. That's nice. That's nice. The Obama White House is doing such productive things. Let me play play uh, uh, Paul Ryan's clip. Let me comment about his veto threat. It baffles me. I, I just, for the life of me, don't understand um, why uh, his veto threat uh, came as it did, especially given the fact that his own law enforcement top officials came to Congress and testified that there are gaps in this refugee program. ISIL is already telling us that they are trying to infiltrate the refugee population. When we have indications that some of the Paris bombers, one at least, may have come through the refugee routes, don't you think that common sense dictates that we should take a pause and get this right? Absolutely. I think Paul Ryan is going to be a great speaker. Um, I think he's going to bring everybody together. Um, But I'm out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned after some commercials and weather and traffic. We're going to be back, and we're going to talk about uh, some constitutional stuff with uh, Doug B. Gibbs. Uh, Don't go away. I'll be right back. AM 590, the answer. Hey, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you want to, if you want to uh, hear, if you want to get in touch with me, you want to have, some, you want to do some uh, real estate financing. Call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. You won't hear a lot about mortgages on this show because it just bore you to death, and you change the stations. But I will tell you, if you want, if you want to do business in uh, in real estate financing, you want someone that has some common sense and thinks like you. If you hear some common sense, then call me when you're ready. Eight five five six four zero twenty two twenty twenty. Uh, having problems with my tongue after the break. So uh, as as I uh, as I promised in the first half, uh, many of you many of you know that I that I've been wondering why Ted Cruz is, is considered a viable presidential con- candidate when he's born in Canada. And uh, as promised, I have with me in the studio constitutional expert and the host of the Constitution Show on that other station across town, uh, Mr. Douglas V. Gibbs. Doug, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So, uh, so I just I just tweeted out right before uh, we came into the studio a uh, uh, little tweet uh, with uh, Barack Obama looking like a, a German Gestapo. And uh, for 200 years, the Constitution has been misunderstood. My executive orders will straighten all that out. <laughs> what what is that what is how do you feel about that as a constitutional expert executive orders is actually one of the most common questions i get uh, executive orders have existed since the beginning i mean you know thanksgiving proclamation by 
George Washington was an executive order. The Emancipation Proclamation was an executive order. Executive order is going to be a good thing. But Article 1, Section 1 of the United States Constitution reads, all legislative powers. I know last time you checked, all means all. Uh-huh, I know politicians exactly. like to change the meanings. I'm a but, common sense guy. Yeah. I just read the words like they, like they sound. All legislative powers here and granted shall be vested in a Congress. So that means any executive order, any judicial opinion, anything that has the uh, power to change, modify, make law, repeal law, anything like that, is unconstitutional. That only belongs to Congress. So anytime he acts without Congress, and what, what do you got, like 25 times that Obamacare has been modified by executive order? Every at, last one at of those. least. Yeah, every last one of those are unconstitutional. He doesn't have legislative authority. Matter of fact, what, 36 states have sued the Obama administration <laughs> regarding his immigration executive action. And by the way, it was in Louisiana, and, and he and the states won. Uh, the Obama administration is up, uh, is appealing this. Doesn't go to the Supreme Court, and the judge used his own language against him. Says, "Well, you said you can change law, and you can't." Exactly, and uh, and I think, and of course, we all know that the mo- a bunch of the how many states sued him over Obamacare. Uh, it was twenty eight states, and uh, it, and the thing is, here's what I tell people: twenty eight states sued Obama on Obamacare using the federal courts with federal judges paid by federal money. How'd you think it was going to turn out? Uh, who's who's their boss? Oh yeah, it was, it was Eric Holder at the time. So from from that standpoint, you know we could we could go into a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of stuff like you know Hillary Clinton. You know what are the chances that she's going to be prosecuted? It depends on who your friends are. If you misspell potato, you're screwed. But if you're Hillary, you can lie all you want. Exactly, and uh, and but we can we can speculate we can speculate on that. But the one thing that one thing that comes up that I always bring up, and as the is the Ted Cruz problem, and and I know and I know some people that you've run into have have had problems with that. Yeah, I like Ed Hoffman, but how come he? Uh, he <laughs> I, I, it makes me mad when he says Ted Cruz is ineligible. It makes me mad that Ted Cruz is ineligible either. But I have a problem being a hypocrite. And eight years ago, we had Barack Hussein Obama, um, who, in my opinion, wasn't born in the, in the United States. You know, I can I can see what he doctored up and put on the website, and and any computer guy can can tear it apart and show how it's been altered. And uh, the fact that it says the name of the hospital, and the hospital wasn't called that in 1961. Um, and everybody everybody just goes, ah, he was born in Hawaii. He was born in Hawaii. We don't want to talk about that anymore. Even people that should care. And the one person that brought it up originally was Hillary Clinton. She's so, the original birther, yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> if that was a problem in 2007, 2008, how come Ted Cruz isn't a problem today? Well, and your your method of reasoning makes all the sense in the world, except for I'm going to take it a step further. Because uh, now, as a constitutional expert, and when I say I'm an expert, let me uh, let me rephrase that, because I really don't like the term expert, because an X is a has-been, and a spurt is a drip. So <laughs> I, I really don't consider myself an expert. But I could I, take that a lot of places <laughs> if I wasn't on the radio. But, but uh, I, I do know my Constitution. I've been studying it my entire life. Um, I've studied Madison's notes, who took notes during the Constitutional Convention. I've studied all the documents around it and, and so forth. So now let's go back to the beginning when it comes to natural-born citizen. Okay, first of all... And I'll tell you that I, I got into it got into it with somebody on Twitter telling me how... And, and, and forwarding me links to CNN and all these different things to say he's, he's, he's eligible because of this... And I say, I don't, I don't care how they justify it. For 54 years, you had to be born in the United States, and that's how it's always been. You could be, you could be a citizen. You could be 
governor, you could be a senator, a congressman, but you can't hold the office of the uh, president of the United States if you weren't born here or on a, you know American American military base for, in the case of John McCain. But okay, well, I interrupted. Well, the thing is, their resources, their sources, 2015 CNN, 2015 Fox or whatever. Uh, here's my sources. The 1790 Immigration and Naturalization Act, Vattel's Law of Nations, which two copies were used during the Constitutional Convention, and the 1875 Minor versus Happersett case, in which this is the only legal case in which an opinion was given that fully explained what natural-born citizen means, and it was accurate. So... What is it? Now, you're right and you're and, and kind of wrong. Not that you're wrong, but there's more to it than you have. That's okay. There, I have I have guests that come on and don't agree with me. Well, it's not a matter of agreeing. I mean, you know, I, I, sometimes even the, uh, the, the, the liberals are right, but even a broken clock is right twice a day. That's correct. But the thing is, the, really the definition doesn't come down to where you're born. I don't care if Obama was born in Hawaii. He could have been born on the steps of the White House. It doesn't make him a natural-born citizen because his father was not a citizen at the time of his birth. Okay. Both natural-born citizen, not citizen, not 14th Amendment, that's different. Natural-born citizen is that both parents have to be citizens at the time of your birth in order for you to be a natural-born citizen. And those three things that I mentioned earlier, 1790 Immigration Naturalization Act, 1875, Minor versus Happer and Vattel's Law of Nations all echo that. Now, in order to help you reason that, let me tell you why. After the Revolutionary War, or and during the Revolutionary War, there were three camps. There was about a third of the nation that supported independence, about a third that really didn't care who won. They just wanted to live their lives. And then about a third that were Tories or loyalists to the British crown. The Tories tended to have one or two parents born in Britain. That tended to be the way it was. So the natural born citizen definition worked for us because we wanted to keep the Tories out of the White House. We did not want someone who had allegiance to Britain to be our commander in chief. And the, one of the best ways to keep these people out of the White House was to make sure that it, the person had to be a natural-born citizen with both parents born in the United States. So, so Obama is in it. Based so, on what's going on in the country, it would be it would be good to say, hey, we don't want any anybody whose parents are Muslim either. Then, huh? Well, <laughs> well yeah, absolutely. But uh, in the case of Obama, so Obama's not eligible by his own admission. So how come that didn't come up then? All they were talking, trying to talk about was where he was born, because as far as I've ever known in my life, natural-born citizen meant you had to be born in the United States. So, so are you, what you're saying is natural-born citizen, anchor babies aren't natural-born citizens. No. Well, neither are my kids. My wife uh, didn't naturalize till 2007. So my kids are citizens, but they can't run for office, or at least office not of the, for president. the president. Yeah. Which, which is really not that terrible of a life. <laughs> If that's the if that's the one thing you're you're kept out of, that's all right. Yeah, but the, the the point was the reason for that was to protect us against divided allegiance, especially divided allegiance between the United States and Britain. And that's this is where both Ted Cruz and Obama also kind of would make the founding fathers' heads spin because both Canada and Canada at the time of the birth of their uh, their, their births were British. You know, well, Canada's a British Commonwealth still to this day. Uh -huh. They're still attached, and, and Kenya at the time of of the citizenship of Barack Obama Senior was a uh, 
uh, British. A British something. Yeah, it was colony or whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah. Whatever but he was a British subject, in other words. So, so, so for that reason, that reason. So how come, how come Ted Cruz, no one's bringing this up? Uh, because we have been taught all our lives things like you've been taught. Oh, if you're born on the soil. That's why my very first book that I wrote was 25 Myths of the United States Constitution. We've been taught all these myths, and then we go back to the original language and go, oh, wait a second, that's wrong. Why have we been taught this all our lives? Because the best way to take over a system is to change a system gradually so everybody adjusts and everybody agrees. And then once you have an entire generation of people that believe all the lies, they'll march themselves right up to the flagpole and raise the flag that you want them to raise. So I'm uh, I'm baffled as to 2008, why when they were going through, or 2007, uh, well, I guess it would be all 2008 because the election didn't actually happen until the end of the year, but um, why nobody brought this up. I did. Especially, especially when, I mean, I'm talking about nobody, nobody, and that didn't get to the news. No. No, because uh, it's not a popular opinion. It's not, let me rephrase that. It's not the opinion the legal industry has. The legal industry has hijacked the Constitution. In today's society, how is the Constitution defined? What a judge says it says. That's called case law or precedent. And that's not the definition. This is a set standard. It's a written law. The judges aren't supposed to interpret the Constitution. They're supposed to apply it to the cases they hear. Apply the law to the case, whether they like it or not. Whether they think that law is right or not, the law is what it is. If they have an opinion that a law is unconstitutional, they can write that opinion, but it doesn't change the law. Only Congress can. And so we, so the court system, the judges, and this goes all the way back to the Federalist Party, believe it or not. I mean, most of our problems began right there at the very beginning. But um, they have dictated what it means, and we have went along and said, okay, okay, that's what it means. Duh. Exactly. How, how That's how we got... Gay marriage being legal. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's amazing how they can find abortion marriage in the 14th Amendment, but they can't find gun rights in the Second Amendment. I, I, that baffles me. That is, a, that is a fact. So with this, with this, uh, with this new definition, with this, with this old definition that no one, that no one has, has except for been, a few of us, <laughs> no, no one's really, really uh, taking conscious view of. What does that do for Marco Rubio? Well, Marco Rubio's uh, parents at the time of his birth were still citizens of uh, Cuba. They had not naturalized yet. So Rubio is not eligible. Neither was Jindal. Of course, Jindal just dropped out. But Bobby Jindal also not eligible. And so now here's the thing. Here's what scares me. I I was a Scott Walker guy. Uh, I'm a number cruncher. I'm a number cruncher. So I went for record. And I I like governors because they have executive experience. My top three going into this thing at the very beginning was Scott Walker, Rick Perry, and... Ben Carson. Yeah, there you go. That was pretty much mine. And um, except for instead of uh, Ben Carson, um, Ted Cruz. And and people say, well, wait a sec. You said he's in, ineligible. I know. That's where it's really messing me up. Because now of what's left, Ted Cruz is the best of the bunch and he's not eligible. So what? I can't openly support him because he's ineligible. That makes me a hypocrite. But at the same time, the rest of them are knuckleheads, idiots, and establishment people. Well, so it, what do you do? Well, if it comes down, if it comes down to Ted Cruz... Or Hillary Clinton, I'm going to support him. Oh yeah, I'll, um, I'll vote think, for an ineligible Republican over Hillary any day of the week. The um, I think Ted Cruz is a is a brilliant guy. Um, He's a great senator. I don't know what I there's something about him as far as that that X factor that charisma that that something that he just doesn't have. 
but when it after you listen to him for a while, you start to get past. It's kind of like Rudy Giuliani. I think Rudy Giuliani would have made a great president. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I used to every time he used to come on TV, I go, "Ah, suffering succotash," because he's got a lisp. And I say, "How do you listen to that all day?" And then after a while, after a while, you just drown it out. And this guy's such such a smart smart guy with a, with his heart in the right place and his and his brains in the right place and just he did such a great job on uh with uh, New York after 9/11 and after reading his book and seeing what everything he did in mm-hmm. New York before anybody knew who he was and and cleaning up the city of New York City um and being when he was the uh, US US attorney going after the going after the Gotti family and the guy's a stud you have to drown that out. So the same thing with with Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, I don't know what it is. Is it the way he looks? Is it the way he talks? Is it, it the words he say are are very very eloquent and very very strong? And he's you know he's 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 definitely qualified, but he, he's brilliant. But he's not presidential, and in a number of ways, and a lot of it is his way he strategizes. For example, the filibuster against Obamacare was brilliant, but it was too early. The timing was off, and I was even saying that while he was doing it. Hey, you know, this isn't the right timing. we got to wait for Obamacare to really do something stupid, and then he can jump in. And right afterwards, sure enough, the website was a disaster. That would have been the time for it. But that said, Giuliani, I, I think Giuliani was more of a constitutionalist than even Ted Cruz. I actually supported Giuliani, as you did. You and I, my great minds think alike. Uh-huh. Um, and people say, well, wait a second, Doug. How could you support Giuliani? He was pro-choice. I say, yeah, but he understood the Constitution. If you ever listen to what he said about abortion, he said Roe v. Wade should be overturned because it's a state issue. He was pro-choice, but he believed it was up to each state. So even though his morality end of it was wrong, his constitutional angle was correct, and that's why he earned my support. So well, you know, in actuality, when I read his book, he was he was not. It wasn't his morality. He felt that, in my opinion, because I feel kind of like the same. Um, he was anti-abortion. But he felt that it wasn't it wasn't that the the federal government couldn't preach morality, and it, mm-hmm. or couldn't legislate morality, right? And say you know, and and in his in his city, I don't know, say in his state during his time, they 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 um they actually promoted adoption. Say mm-hmm. don't don't get an abortion. Look at all these families that are looking that I right. can't have babies that would love them, and and the abortion rate went down, right? Because of just the way he went after it. So, hey, he said he was pro-choice because I don't think the federal government should be legislating that. Well, it comes down to the basic lesson of the Constitution. Listeners, listen carefully. This is your lesson for the day. It comes down to the basic lesson of the Constitution, the way it's written. The states, the, the delegates through the states wrote this contract. It is written by the states. The states are the parents to give the federal government authority. So the government does not control the states. The states are supposed to control the federal government. It exists at the pleasure of the states. And that means also that the authorities are expressly enumerated or listed specifically in the Constitution. So in other words, the way the Constitution is written, you're allowed to do this, you're allowed to do that, you're allowed to do this, and nothing more. If you want more, ask for permission, propose an amendment, and then if three-quarters of the state says, okay, you can have that, then you can have it. Otherwise, you can't do it. In fact, the uh, majority of the Constitution is spelled out saying what? The government can't do than what they will do. Well, the thing is, the only part of the Constitution that really goes over what the federal government cannot do is Article One, Section 
Article 1, Section 9, and it's because there are some very explicit things they didn't want the federal government doing, such as suspending habeas corpus, things like that. And then uh, the, the Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights, according to James Madison, actually wasn't even necessary because, for example, Second Amendment. There's nothing in the Constitution that gives the federal government authority to over guns. However, they were so afraid of this potential tyranny, they wanted to spell it out. Oh, by the way, for sure, in easy English, you cannot take our guns. So that it was so obvious that the government still wouldn't, of course, you know. Look at the day we live in. You know, they found ways around it. Uh, But uh, that's the way. But see, the way it was really written was to give the government authorities. And then Article 1, Section 9 and uh, the Bill of Rights says, oh, by the way, just as an extra reminder, you can't do these things. Very interesting. Very interesting. So uh, who else who else isn't isn't. Who else isn't eligible for to be president? Anybody else? Aside from my children? <laughs> no. On on the list of uh, of Republicans, it's uh, Rubio, Jindal, and Cruz that I know of because both of their parents weren't citizens at the time of their birth. Uh, on the other side, I really don't know. Um, I really haven't researched any deeper than that because uh, there hasn't really many questions that's come up on those uh, candidates. Now, that said, isn't that kind of what kind of usually happens people don't worry about it unless the question comes up how come we're not researching deeper? Uh, i know uh when dennis prager was uh was speaking i and he was uh he was saying things about ted cruz that he liked ted cruz and i say did, have, have you ever pondered the question is how is he eligible when he was born in canada he goes well i think someone has uh i think someone has said that he is eligible because his both his parents were citizens i said but that's not how we felt eight years ago about Barack Obama. Well, and his it? dad wasn't a citizen at the time of his birth either. Anyway, yet anyway. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and uh, uh, Dennis Prager goes, hmm. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. So they haven't they haven't thought of it. So I guess it, it isn't important yet. Let's talk about let's talk about um, what's going on with the uh, with the Syrian refugees. <laughs> Barack Obama wow. said. Barack yeah. Obama says he's. He's going to veto the the bill, but we got we got enough votes in the House this this week to make it veto proof. Am I right? I, I think so. But here's here's it also takes a Senate though. Veto proof is not just the House it takes a Senate too, and they need two thirds. They need two thirds to override a veto. Uh, here's the thing: Article One, Section Nine, Section One allows Congress to make law prohibiting certain persons from coming into the United States, migrating in the United States. So and that was to protect us from a potential enemy. Funny how that works. Mm-hmm. And disease and things like that. However, there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the gov- federal government the authority to force a state to take a particular group. Hence the 29 governors that have said no, we're not taking. Exactly, and 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 we've got a media saying, oh, well, they have to. There's nothing to do about because you know the federal government's supreme. Really? Yeah. Who people, created who? Yeah, people people forget. They think that we work for the president and the president works the president controls the states. It's the other way around. Exactly. Matter yeah. of fact, uh, Chuck Klein, who writes for Time Magazine in uh, uh see February sixth issue of Time Magazine, Obama's Fairness Doctrine was the name of the uh, uh article. And Chuck Klein in the final sentence wrote that the Constitution was written to unite and control the states. This is what these people believe. 
But the states created the federal government. The states are the parents. The federal government has become this petulant child that refuses to act within the authorities granted to it, has gone beyond those authorities. And here's the problem. The states, the politicians, and even we the people have become a bunch of cowards and we've let it happen. Yep. That's, uh, that's, that's the, uh, the misinformed and the uninformed out there or the, the apathetic. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? Uh, who's going to be in the World Series? Who's going to be in the Super Bowl? Is more important to, to so many people. And hence why I think it's so important for us to be on the radio talking to people so they can talk to their kids. Especially this week, Thanksgiving should be the time to, to talk religion and politics. And, you know, hey, you don't talk religion and politics at the dinner table. Yes, you do. That starts fights. This country's worth fighting for. I think we should uh, we should uh, keep that 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 uh, tradition going to start fights at the, at the Thanksgiving table. <laughs> who, are, who are you pitching? Who are you, who's, your, who's your favorite now? We got, we're down to five or, six, five or six people that are serious candidates. Well, Ted Cruz is the better qualified. Ben Carson, uh, when it comes to eligibility standpoints, the best candidate. I'm still, I'm still pushing for Carly. I think she's, I think she's the, uh, I think she's the Iron Lady. Carly is awesome across the board, except for two things, in my opinion. Uh, her view on social issues uh, bother me. If she knew that it was, a sta- they were state issues, I really wouldn't care. But she doesn't understand that. And the other is that she's got some um, internationalist connections that that make me nervous. Where she where she uses them as as strengths because he knows she knows all those people in, in other, other. Well, when I say internationalist, I mean in a globalist uh, uh, mindset. Uh, and I understand we have a global economy now and all this other stuff, so we have to think that way in many ways. But not when it comes to uh, moving towards a single governance, a single global governance. And she supports something like that. I'm going to support whoever is the candidate, but at this point, the only one I've given money to is Carly, and I think she's the only. I think. I think she's going to pull a McCain as we get closer to New Hampshire and Iowa and South Carolina and, and all those. That's my thought. Hey, we got a couple minutes left. Um, you've got a website. Okay, DouglasVGibbs.com to learn about me. That's Douglas V as in victory, Gibbs, G-I-B-B-S.com. But my blog, which is now over 2 million hits, we got a million of those in the last year and a half, is PoliticalPistachio.com. PoliticalPistachio.com. Does everybody know how to spell pistachio? P i s t h a c. Hold on, I'll write it here. I have it written down right here. P i s t a c h a i o. Just like it sounds. So, uh, so Doug, and then you've got a radio show on that other station that's uh, uh, Saturdays at one. Saturdays at one, Constitution Radio, and I also host a program at eight in the morning called Conservative Voice Radio. I don't want to. I don't want to mention the other radio station because you don't want to change the channel. Yeah, well, we podcast the show. So what you do is you listen to K- uh, KTIE all day, and then in the middle of the night when no one's listening to KTIE, go ahead and listen to podcast. To my exactly, show. the podcaster, so you can listen in, in your car. <laughs> Doug, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. We'll have you, we'll have you back. It's going to be an exciting year in 2016. I'll have you back pretty regularly. Any Constitution questions? Please have me return. Very good. Hey, folks, I'm out of time for part two of the main event. Thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.